From Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode 463. Today's show is brought to you by ExpressVPN, Text Expander, and Dark Noise. My name is Mike Hurley. I am joined by Jason Snow. Hi, Jason. Hi, Mike. I have a Snow Talk question for you, which comes from Ramon, who asks, What does Apple Park smell like? Um, well, I mean, it's lots of flowers and stuff. Right? I was going to say it's yeah. floral. It's it smells floral. like outside, whether you're inside or outside. It smells like outside because yeah. they they planted all those plants and all those trees, mm-hmm. and they uh, they circulate all the air sort of through. And then the places we were were basically open to the air because they mm-hmm. had opened them up. I mean, perhaps if you're in a, as we were taking our, one of our golf cart rides, I did notice that in further away parts, there's just uh, just huge swaths of offices and cubicles. Yeah. yeah. Um, right up against the window, so they get the light, but also it's sort of like, I don't know if it smells like flowers in there. <laughs> the one place that had a distinct pleasant smell, so the re- where we recorded the last episode was a recording studio based inside of the fitness center, mm-hmm. which was across the street from what was being called, I think, like Fieldhouse or something, right, which, which is where is, the Vision Pro, Vision Pro demos, yeah. di- demos were, which... We didn't know that's what that was on Monday when we went up there to record, but it was very clear that was what that was, right? But none of that had happened for either of us at that point. Right. Um, but the where the podcast studio was is a fitness center, and that smelled like a spa. It was amazing in there. It smelled so good in there. So Yeah, I, I went into the locker room because I had to use the bathroom, mm-hmm. and the locker room smelled like a locker room. But Okay. I mean, well, that's what, you know, you know, what else would you want? What else if would you want? If it smelled like something else, you'd feel lost. <laughs> Askew- Where am I? Skeuomorphism. <laughs> I'm looking for the locker room. Smell yeah, skeuomorphism. They pipe that in. Yeah. Floral. If you would like to send in a snow talk question of your own to help open a future episode, just go to upgradefeedback.com and do so. Thank you to Upgrade and Ramon for sending it in. Where are we, Jason Snell? We are in my office. Why are we here, Jason Snell? Well, I have a few answers to that question. <laughs> okay. One is because you're still in San Francisco, uh, so we thought yep. we would do a podcast together in mm-hmm. person, which is our tradition. That I That would say. is now the tradition. Yes. Set after, after what was the only good thing of my WWDC experience yeah. last year was getting to record. And we've done that, you. I think, before when you've been in town or yeah. you've stuck around. We've tried to mm-hmm. do it somewhere in person. Whenever we're, we're nearby, we try to do it in person. We're inside and not out with the birds this morning because one of my neighbors... Uh, is apparently having uh, their roof redone. Yeah. And there were very loud scraping. When I started to clean up out there and get it ready to go, there were there was a very loud scraping sound, and I looked up to discover five men on my neighbor's roof uh, moving gravel around and stuff like that. And so, we're looking for the summer of fun, not the summer of bad audio. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so instead, we are we are uh, not unprecedented for Upgrade to have us in my office. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had, and I had James Thompson in my office yep. here before. So it was a little bit of a setup. It's kind of wild. We have a studio audience because Adina is here and official Upgrade uh, video, TikTok video producer head Jeremy video. Burgess is here. Yeah, chief, chief video officer. Chief video officer for Upgrade, Jeremy Burgess here. Yes, and recording. also... Also, with the door open and people in here, uh, dog and cats yes. are roaming freely. That's a little bit wild. Yes, but we'll uh, we'll manage. The studio audience is more animals today than humans. Uh, um, it 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 depends on whether the second cat will make an appearance. Fair I enough. doubt. I doubt it. I think it's going to be even. In fact, right now, one cat has left. Okay, and so therefore, the has been humans. <laughs> I mean, yeah, audience two, animals one. Upgradeyourwardrobe.com. We didn't get to spend a lot of time talking about this last episode because we were at a pressing time limit of a ticking clock yes. the whole time. So we yes. wanted, we were like getting ready, Keep getting watching to the it. Clock. Yes, indeed. 
Uh, we have a selection of T-shirts available for your perusal. They are only available until the 16th of June. So that is the end of this week. So you have until the end of this week to pick up uh, one of or all three uh, Summer of Fun designs. We have uh, the returning Summer of Fun 2021 design, which is the Summer of Fun artwork. We have the Dongletown Surf Club tee making its return and the introduction of a fantastic new design of the Thunderbolt Dock Surf Shop. Thunderbolt Dock. Thunderbolt Dock. It's a place. It's a place. It's a dock. In Dongletown. Yeah, it's right on the water. Obviously, it's a dock. Yeah. It's, I, I think it's sort of like a wood pier that kind of... Oh, definitely. And then there, there are shops, and one of them is a surf shop. Yep. And you see their shirts all over town, as you do with these surf shop shirts. Because people support the local surf shop. Yeah, and, they, and or, or, or visitors to town buy it as a souvenir. Yeah, and, and you, you can, can too, mm-hmm. by going to UpgradeYourWardrobe.com. You only have a few days left to do so, so we really would love it if you check it out. Uh, this, this, this design is very good. I like yes. it a lot, and it's also the, I like the t-shirt colors a lot. They are very summery. Yes, indeed. There's a yellow and a pink, and they're nice. And there's a neutral uh, for people who don't want uh, to commit to a color. Yeah, exactly. That's so fine. go check it out right now. You this is the last time we can tell you. So yes. if you do want them, you have to go get them because it's it's done at the end of this week. And as upgradeyourwardrobe.com. We also mentioned last time that there were we were being filmed. The entire episode was filmed last week, which it was. Uh, we had some clips that went up on our various channels, uh, yes. but we also put the entire episode on YouTube. So Upgrade now has a, a YouTube, YouTube channel. channel. Yeah, we will not. We have no plans right now to do this like entire recordings of the show. Right? Who knows? Who knows? Right? Because we're experimenting with video. But uh, Apple, Apple like had a director there who was switching. There were eight people. Yeah, it was one of those. So we record ourselves. Yeah. Now we're actually doing it today. I have some tripods. I have a tripod that I've had since the 80s that's being used with an iPhone on it. We're recording this to do our little clips. Is that tripod older than me? When were you born? 88. Oh, yeah. It's older Excellent. than you. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I must respect my oldest. Yes, Let me turn indeed. to the tripod. Indeed, respect the yeah. tripod. Uh, and uh, so we're, we're doing that sort of like in our usual way. But we... Um, the difference is we could turn every episode into a video episode if we wanted to, but somebody would have to direct it. At least after the fact, yeah. you could do a uh, a multi... Uh, Until AI becomes a director. Yeah, we could do an AI Which is director. like a legit thing that yeah. we might do in the future. Well, I mean, having... Uh, you could base it even on the, um, on the audio, right? Yeah. Who's talking, it switches to that one. Although you'd miss some of the... For people who have seen the video clips, which we post on TikTok and Instagram and on Mastodon, uh, Mastodon and will presumably start on our YouTube channel might, too. Might as well. Those little fun clips, I edit those and I am actually like editing in re- funny mm-hmm. reaction shot. Like there's a moment where I say something and you just start laughing and you're silent, but you're you're laughing. You do a good job of it. And I want to cut that back yeah. in because it's funny. Like a- AI is going to have to advance further mm-hmm. in order to do that. But, but I anyway, think it could though. It could, it could. Because so, that's a combination of like audio and some kind of facial recognition analysis so and the beauty of it is uh we're sticking with our commitment to not seeing each other other than now when we actually are seeing each other but not not seeing each other when we record so you could still do a video episode of upgrade if you wanted to that wouldn't affect the audio Mm -hmm. episode quality but it's just it's not on our uh, on our real to-do list but it's We've opened the door now, so yeah. who knows, right? Who knows? And and um, did you notice that the, uh, John Gruber's been posting little uh, TikTok-y I clips from the talk show? I oh, saw that. Just... Uh, I will note <laughs> one of the funniest things that happened last week, which we didn't mention at the time. So we had all these people, right? So there were like three camera operators, a couple of sound engineers, a director, it was like yeah. a whole thing. Before we started, someone came out with a clapper and went, 
upgrade, take one. And I had to have all of... I, I sent you a frame yes. of right after that where <laughs> I can see that thought passing through your mind. Where I had to like restrain myself so much from laughing because it's like, how many takes are we going to get? And also on that <laughs> yes. frame, one take, it actually Mike. says, they wrote down, upgrade, take one. Take one. It's on the frame. Yeah. And that was just hilarious to me. How We could we could have got halfway through and be like, sorry, gang. Take we're two. We're going to start again. Let's go start from we're going to mess this whole thing up. We're going to start yep. again. Yep. So you can go and get that. I'll put a link in the show notes. If you want to just see what it looked like, it was a really great set that yeah. they put together. And the quality of the image is so good. And they and again, they did such a good job directing the thing. Like, yeah, this on, will be done live. Honestly, they shot it in 4K and my yeah. our, our drive wasn't big enough to take that file. So. Wow. So we're we're uh, we we just did it in 1080. You don't need it, was, it in 4K. It was uh, yeah, it was pretty awesome. If you enjoy this show and you would like more of it, you should subscribe to Upgrade Upgrade Plus. You will hear no ads. You'll get bonus content every week. You go to getupgradeplus.com and you can sign up. This is kind of around the time, Jason, where the, when we started. So we're getting uh, a lot of annual renewals now. So thank you so much to people that have stuck around with us for yes, another year. We you. really appreciate you. Uh, in today's episode. We're going to talk about the fact that we unexpectedly went to a baseball game yesterday. Oh, excellent. And we'll talk about that. So it was WWDC's. WWDC's done now. Uh, there are a couple of tidbits that I wanted to talk about with you, Jason, that I saw floating around, some things that were of interest to me. Uh, one is just reminders in general. Apple was very much leveled up reminders uh, this year. And there were two things that caught my eye. And they're kind of both based around the idea of being able to put sections in your reminders list. So you could have a list, you could have a bunch of sections in it. One of them now is you could create these sections yourself. And then instead of viewing them just as a list, you can view your reminders kind of list as a Kanban board broken oh. down into these sections. Yeah, the reminders and notes teams are killing it. They're, they're on fire right now. And so that is very exciting to me. So uh, Adina and I use Trello right. for managing some of our home projects. And I think it would be nicer to use reminders because we have to-dos sometimes on these Trello things. It's just too, I feel like it's too heavyweight. But if yeah. we could have them as lists, but also as a Kanban board, it's that is like fantastic. They call it columns. Yeah. Column view. I, I had never heard Kanban until a couple of years ago. Yeah. But um, back in the day, Mm-hmm. When I started a Mac user and even the first few years at Macworld, that's actually how we did the whole magazine. There was yeah. literally a board with three by five cards. It's part of Sprint. And it would move it would move along yeah. the board from, you know, article mm-hmm. not in to pages finalized. So you'll be able to do that now in reminders. Thank so goodness. I just need to start a magazine. Just, yeah, yeah, easy, easy. So what I like about that though is it is more than just this thing is done or not done. It can be moving through a process. So in reminders I like that as an idea of, well, it's not completed yet, but it's moved forward in a stage, so you could do that. But also, with these columns, Apple is doing machine learning that if you have a grocery list in Reminders, it cat- automatically categorizes groceries based on produce type. Right. So you'd be like, if you had carrots and apples and meat, it would categorize them as fruit and vegetables and some kind of meat, poultry yeah. in your shopping list yeah. for you. So, so it's easy when you're going through the supermarket. Right. So I use any list for a shopping yeah. list and it does that, right? This yeah. is a this is a thing. But they've, okay. they've like built that in to uh But to it's cool to just too. be in reminders. Right, because that's the idea is that if you're going there, then it's sort of gonna be vaguely in, sorted by where it is in the store. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah you're talking about notes. Mm-hmm. The big thing that everybody's excited about of Apple Notes is you can now link between notes yes. in Apple Notes. 
And this can be done two ways. There is uh, a button in the text pop-up menu. So if you do like the text selection, you could do link to note. But also if you type two greater than symbols, it pops up the UI. Ooh. Now that, I like that specifically because that feels like it's very much observing the way that people work, right? Like Obsidian and all of these things have some kind of text command. It's like two open brackets or something. Um, it doesn't do like the wiki style linking in the way of like you can't, if you go to one, you don't get a link to go back to right. the other automatically, but right. you could do it yourself. But I just like this as a simple thing. There have been times where I've had a note and, you know, like I say, it's like a travel note. I would also like the link to the passport note that I keep in Apple Notes. Well, I could just link those two together and it's just easy to jump between one and the other. This is, I think they've done this the right way. There were a lot of people that wanted this kind of feature and I was concerned that it was going to make Apple Notes too complicated. Right, but this is the quintessential Apple way, right? Yeah. Which is, everybody's like, oh, are they Sherlocking uh, Obsidian or things like that? It's like, well, no, because they're not going to make it that powerful. Like the Their idea of a power user feature is a couple of uh, greater thans to make a quick link, yep. not to build an entire... Automatic backlinking yeah. system. Yeah, and who knows right. where the future goes? Yeah, I could see but them doing a, a shortcut step. to bring up your backlinks yeah. so that you could do that yourself. But like, th this is this is very Apple. It's like they want to. Okay, a couple of years ago, I asked them about this because I said, it, "Wouldn't it be natural to do notes linking?" And they said, "We like it as an idea, but the question is always, how do you make it something that they have an idealized user? They're thinking of the general user of iOS. It's like, how do we make it so that?" the generalized user will find value in it. It's not the same as no. saying, how do we make it so that um, uh, we, 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 don't, we don't want power users to be happy, right? That's not what they're saying. And their idealized user is not, it, it's somebody who uses third-party apps and wants a little bit more, but they're not necessarily a superpower user. I'm sure they've got like a set of users that they think of. Yep. But the key that they were trying to give us was we're, we're thinking about it, but we want to approach it in a way that's the right level for us, mm -hmm. the right level of complexity for our users. Yep. And this is the result after all that time. Have you heard about the game porting toolkit? I have. I have heard about it. It's basically crossover uh, from Code yes, Weavers, which is, a, which is an open source. Code Weavers posted a note saying something like, well, we see that Apple is using our open source tool. Hooray. But I, I get the sense, too, that it's sort of like, oh, we got bitten by yeah. the open source and Apple has just taken it and is using it too. It's based on Wine. So the idea is it's emulating Windows APIs so you can more quickly, if you're a win, if you're developing a PC game or a PC port of your console game, I, I love this because I, I've seen a lot of discourse about uh, Apple not getting games and gaming on the Mac being irrelevant. And you know, I get it. I mean, there are very few people like Peter Cohen, who I used to work with and used to do Mac games all the time. He 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 knows more about this than I do. But like, I have a long track record of seeing Apple sort of say that they cared about Mac games and not ever going anywhere. Like, believe me, I, I look at this though and I think Apple putting an effort into because they've got Apple Silicon and because the yes. the horsepower is so good. Yes, Apple putting an effort in saying, you know. Mac gaming never may be huge, but what we would like is to make it easy for people who are going to PC to say, well, why don't we also put it on Mac? And mm -hmm. they said at the talk show with John Gruber, they had the perspective, which I thought was good, which is there are more Macs out there than ever. And today, because of Apple Silicon, every Mac that's a Apple Silicon is powerful enough mm -hmm. to run PC yep. games. So really what you want to do if you're Apple 
is not evangelize like make a Mac only game or use metal natively. I mean, those are all great, but those are probably coming from the iOS side. It's can we make it so much easier for you to just commit to saying on Mac and PC instead of on PC? Mm-hmm. And will they succeed at that? I don't know, but or, like or even they might. More when they say it's on Steam. Right. Have There's it be. no asterisk anymore. Right. If that, it's on Steam, you can run it. And you can run on the Mac. And so like, I've seen some performance uh, kind of charts from people that like a couple of YouTubers I've seen put some stuff together. And there are some games where on the right hardware, like on an M2 especially, you're hitting more than enough frame rate. And this is not actually ported games, people that are running this stuff. Yeah. So like these are, there's still an emulation right. going right. on. Right. The goal, the goal with this kit, which I think is clever, is they're using Wine. Yeah. To, it's almost like, well, here's where it runs unmodified. Yep. And then I imagine if you're a developer, you kind of triage it and yep. say, uh, what are the things we need to do to make it shippable on Mac? And and this is Apple saying, you know, it's okay for you to bring your PC game to the Mac. We're not mad at you if you have aspects of it that are using Wine, yep. essentially, to take your Windows APIs that you rely on and run it on the Mac. We're not too proud about that. It's okay. And our hardware is good enough that we can handle it. Yep. And they're doing some work to translate things to metal. And, you know, that's great. So I I, I think that there's a lack of... Um, I, well, let me rephrase that. I think there's humility going on here that maybe you don't expect to see from Apple. No. But for games, you just have to be. I think yeah. clearly somebody at Apple has become a realist in saying, we're going to make an effort to make it so that if somebody's making a game for Windows, it will be easy to come to the Mac. Yeah. And that our our Mac market is bigger than it used to be yeah. and more capable than yeah. it used to be. And so put those things together. I don't think the Mac's going to ever become top-rated AAA gaming platform, right? But like all they really need, like you said with Steam, with with a lot of developers is just like, "Oh, there's a path for us to just do a little bit of work and say it's PC and Mac mm-hmm. instead of just PC." That I think that's the best Apple can hope for, but I think that's actually pretty good. My expectation is there is someone inside of Apple that runs gaming or Mac gaming or whatever. Right. And they have been emboldened by the power of Apple Silicon to finally put together a plan. Yes. That like they are now able to go to their bosses and their higher ups and be like, look, we now have power to spare. Please, can we move this forward? And I wonder if they had to get past some not invented here syndrome, right? Which is like, they should just use the metal APIs. Why are they using Windows? Why would we we encourage them to to use Windows? We want to encourage metal, right? Like that's the goal. But we need to give people the ability to run. This is, I think it was either in the state of the union or I did a session about it where they're like, they were showing a demo of like, okay, you're running it in the toolkit, but you can see where you're losing some frames. So then you can use metal to optimize that particular part of the game and get it good enough to ship. To get it good enough to ship. And so like that, it's like this idea of, of, you can do both. And somebody got empowered at Apple yes. to say it's okay, yeah. right? I think that's the the key there. Somebody unlocked something where they're like, you know what? It doesn't matter if they're using Windows APIs for some of this. Uh, it matters that it's on the Mac. Yeah. Stage manager on the iPad seems good now. And this is my biggest surprise for WWC because it was a year-over-year improvement where they addressed most of the complaints. Yeah. So just the top level... Uh, obviously Federico did a great write-up which I was actually watching him write using Stage Manager while he was writing it which is one of the great things about WWDC Uh, 
Windows now have more sizing and placement options, so you have more flexibility over how big the windows are and where they can go. Yeah, I I had the remember my my rant about this was why do you give us windows and then not let us put them where we want? Yeah, and I had somebody say, "Hey, Jason, that thing where you've got one big window in the center and then another one off to the side." Uh, you can do that now. And yep. I tried it and I, you can totally do that now. And that's yep. all, that's what I wanted is like, if I want one window in the middle and one on the side, I don't want the system saying, what you really want is two windows side by side. It's like, that's not what no. I want. So it, you can do that and now. You it's can great. basically completely overlap one window over top of another, yeah. which is fantastic. It's, it's yeah, they, they, I don't know what, I don't know why it took a year, but yeah, they did it. My expectation is the pers- there is a person who had a very particular view of how this should be done, and maybe that person is not on that project anymore, because this is fundamentally yeah. different. Or, or potentially, there was a designer who said, "This is my vision for it," and then, and now it's in the hands of the product team. Yeah, and that they were like, "Yeah, it just seems like this is." <laughs> there is so much changed here that I, I would expect that there has been some kind of opinion that has had to change. Because yeah. realistically. Yeah. Either somebody left. This could have happened before now. Right. I think either somebody left or somebody changed their mind. Yeah. Somebody was finally convinced that there's this been what the some kind want. of big opinion change. Yeah. Yep. But what I like here is this is a obvious they have listened to what people were saying. Um, I do wonder why they couldn't have done this during the iOS 16 beta cycle. Like, I don't know, but they didn't. But it's done now. One Honestly, the, I think they were stamping on a bunch of bugs, right? I think that maybe they, they, they said, why don't we save this feature change for 17 mm. and focus our 16 releases on getting it to be more stable? I would have maybe questioned if they decided that during the period that they should have held it. They just shouldn't have shipped Stage Manager and iOS 16 on the iPad. If a year later they were actually going to make it what it should have been. But anyway, this we've no, had this I think conversation they were mid, a million times. I think they were midstream. Now. I think they were midstream. And, and if you're in January and you're saying, well, we can do this thing, I can yeah. see a manager saying, why don't we put that in 17 and just spend the next few months fixing more bugs in 16. But one other thing that iPad version of Stage Manager has that I need to try and confirm that the Mac has because I want this big time. If you shift click on an app icon anywhere, it opens in your current stage from the dock, from Spotlight. And that's something the Mac doesn't do. So, like, if I shift-click uh, an icon on Ventura, it just opens in its own window. And I would like, because that would stop my Finder problem. Right. Where opening Finder means I'm in a new stage, which doesn't make any sense. Right. So I really hope that that's on the Mac, too. But they put that on the iPad, which is fantastic. So, uh, iOS, this is something that, that we wanted, and this is sent to us by Chase. iOS 17 has the option to automatically delete verification messages. So like the yes. two-factor codes, it can now you can now choose that once you filled them, they're just removed. This also includes, which is now a new feature in iOS 17, email. email. Yeah. So if you have, I'm assuming you, you have to use, use mail. mail. Yeah. My hope is that maybe if you have your accounts in there, it might work, but I wonder if it, mail needs to be open. I don't know. I don't know. But also, if you get a code by mail, it can now fill it in. I hate codes by mail yes, so much. <laughs> but it also now delete that email. Yeah. So that's that's like a great twofer. Yeah. And one that I wanted to mention, because I think it's really interesting, because we're talking about standby, and we're talking about FaceTime continuity camera, and how it seemed to appear that at some point in the future now, this is all going to come together into a new Apple product for the home. Mm-hmm. There is now something called Dock Kit, which is for motorized iPhone stands to... Used, right. If you're using the camera, it can now integrate with a dock to follow you around. 
So Apple was building that feature right. into iOS. It used to be like you'd have to open the DJI app if you yep. had like one of the DJI things and, and then it would use its own facial tracking and it would move itself around. Yep. And this is just like the idea here is there's a standard API. Everybody can build motorized iPhone mounts. You put an iPhone in it and it will just talk to the camera and follow, and you, around. follow you around and you can set that remotely. And it's mm -hmm. that's uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. This episode of Upgrade is brought to you by Dark Noise. Do you struggle to sleep in silence? Or maybe you just need a hand on focusing more intently with your work. If any of this is true for you, you need Dark Noise, the white noise app for iPhone, iPad, and the Mac. It has a delightfully intuitive design and best-in-class system integration for Apple platforms. Dark Noise will play soothing, infinitely looping sounds to help you sleep, focus, and relax. Indie developer Charlie Chapman, who I actually spent some time at WWDC uh, this past week. Charlie's a great guy. And, you know, we were talking a lot about all of the new stuff. And, of course, he's getting ready to put whatever he can uh, into the next version of Dark Noise to support all of Apple's upcoming iOS changes. Uh, Charlie works incredibly hard to make Dark Noise the best platform sitters on Apple devices. And that's exactly what I'm talking about. It is loaded with features such as rich shortcut support, highly customizable home screen and lock screen widgets. I look forward very much, actually, to the lock screen widgets and Dark Noise, hopefully getting some interactivity in the future so I can play my Dark Noise sound right from the home screen plus airplay and siri support it has icloud syncing and so much more dark noise also has a sleep timer to automatically fade your sound out and a unique feature called mix audio this is the really powerful stuff where you can take multiple different types of dark noise sounds and mix them together with themselves and audio from other apps such as apple music or overcast so you could be listening to thunder noise on a plane while also listening to your podcast if that's what you want to do dark noise is free to download today with eight unique sounds and you can upgrade to dark noise pro to unlock over 50 sounds and build your custom mixes for infinite possibilities exactly thank you jason that's what it would sound like if i love you had it. dark noise if you wanted to do that dark noise pro also includes many premium app themes custom app icons including some that listeners of this show may recognize to download dark noise for free today go to darknoise.app or search dark noise in the app store that is darknoise.app Dark Noise in the App Store. Our thanks to Dark Noise for the support of this show and all of Relay FM. Thank you very much. When we recorded this time last week, we were kind of pre-Vision Pro. Mm -hmm. We are now post-Vision Pro. We are. To catch Upgradians on, up on this, we have both experienced the Apple Vision Pro try-on thing. Thing. Yeah. You wrote a great article. I would like to direct people to an episode of Cortex that I put out. Where, Excellent. Thank episode. you so much. Where my goal for that episode uh, was to go chronologically through what that entire experience mm -hmm. was like. I was hoping to kind of try and bring people along with me. Yeah, it was good. I mean, it's amplified by the fact that um, CGP Grey is like giggling. So excited. Throughout. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. I'm very proud of that episode. But we have now, not only have we experienced the Apple Vision Pro. It's now been, you know, best part of a week since. Yes. I've been able to get it out of my mind. I've been thinking about it constantly. I keep I keep wanting to reach out to a window and move it. <laughs> Why not, right? I mean that 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 it just felt so natural. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God, I just grabbed the window by the bottom and and move it and uh, it's amazing. It, it's I feel like 
So this is an issue that we are. We went to, to see the talk show and John yeah. was having the same problem that I've just experienced yeah. now. This is a very hard thing to talk about when you're talking about how it makes you feel. Right. Because it is a very personal experience. And and it's hard, I think, hard to get across. The challenge is you're talking to people who haven't experienced it. And how do you get that uh, visceral reaction over to someone else with words? Because it really is a sensory experience. Um, so it's, it's very hard. I would say, I want to preface this by saying um, what has struck me the last few weeks, but certainly after experiencing it for myself that there are two conversations to be had about this product. And what frustrates me is that people want to conflate the two conversations because there's what the product is as a piece of technology. The Apple Vision Pro. The Apple Vision Pro. And then there's the business story, which is, did Apple make a mistake in investing seven years in this? They spent a lot of money. Are the, is it ever going to be successful? Is it ever going to sell millions of units? Are people going to want it? Is the price too high? All of which are not unreasonable questions. Having a conversation about business strategy, we talk about business strategy at Apple all the time. I think it's really interesting. And honestly, I think the jury's still out about whether this product will find an audience. I've seen some people who are like, oh, just for watching movies, it's going to be a huge hit. And I'm like, uh, for single people can watch at a time and it's $3,500. Like I, I see people making assumptions in that direction. I also see people making assumptions and saying, this is going to be a, a failure. It's already a failure. That's an interesting conversation to have. I think the most interesting conversation to have right now, having seen this, having had it unveiled and having experienced it is the product part, but they're both valid conversations to have. They're different. What I know, and I think what you know, having had this experience, and I know six months before it comes out, it's a wired up demo. It's only the stuff they were comfortable to show us, although I will say it was in a much better state than when I touched the iPhone in January yeah, of 2007. Um, it, I, what I haven't seen out there is a lot of discourse about the product. I think in part because if you experience the product, or even if you look at the demos, this is an a, a, an amazing, remarkable technological accomplishment. Yeah. And I, I think I didn't expect to come away with quite that reaction for a product that's six months away from even shipping, that it feels like this is Apple very carefully imagining their whole platform and building an incredible piece of hardware and having uh, having a vision, no pun intended, of like what this product should be. And it's really coherent it's incredibly well executed. Yeah. Some of the technology is mind-boggling. And so I came away thinking this is one of the best things Apple has ever created. Yes. Which is not me saying I think it's going to be a huge hit and everybody's going to want it and everybody's going to be wearing these things in, in two years or something like that. I think the jury's still out on all of that. I think it's worth having that separate conversation. But like... I, what I, what frustrates me is when we have these conversations about this really remarkable product and they get short-circuited by people saying, eh, $3,500, nobody wants it, whatever. And it's like, okay, there ca it can be both, mm. right? It can be both. But if we just look at the tech, it's amazing. A piece that anybody has produced who has experienced this thing who is not universally positive about it. There are questions. I have questions. You have questions. Yeah. It was not a perfect experience for me. My demo failed at a certain point. Like, 
and the, it's heavy. Like, you know, the way that I've described it is, I don't know if this is heavier than other headsets that I've used, but it reminds me of AirPods Max that like, they are usable. I wear them for long, long periods of time, but I know they're heavier than everything else on the market. And sure. this is the same. Yeah. But like, here's my question to you. Are you happy to pay $3,500 for this thing? It's hard because this is our business, right? So, of course, I'm going to pay $3,500 for Let's this. Say, well, <laughs> let me put, say you're going to pay that, but like you would never write about it. Like Having mm. the experience that you've had, do you want to own that thing for three and a half grand? Like I'll, I'll tip my hand and say yes. Yeah. It, yes. Th- this is one of yes. those things where like I know that is so much money. Yes. But it's worth the money. Like, I have used the MetaQuest Pro, which is basically half the price. Right. This is, like, 20 times the experience in quality. Well, I was going to take it from the other angle, which is I've watched a movie on the MetaQuest 2, which is terrible quality. It's super grainy and low quality. But even there, the 3D, you know, having that immersive response to watching a movie or to being in a a different place, even there it's really good mm-hmm. and then this thing is just at another level yeah. for all of that stuff so yeah. yeah i now this is us talking as technology enthusiasts right so for us it's not too surprising that we might say yes but i i was like yeah i don't know and then i saw it and i was like oh my god this is I, one I of would those totally things have where this thing at that price yeah. point where we were talking about it before where i was like oh, that's, that's gonna sting yeah but now i'm i just, i can't wait to have it let me have it let and me, like, line look, it up. I know it's a lot of money, but it's it's the price of a computer. It's it is also I would say, and I, I you know, if you look at what a Lisa or an original Mac cost yeah. in today's dollars, they were really expensive. A lot uh, of stuff I mean, has gotten cheaper because it's in it's in volume, and they've really optimized things. This is a brand new thing. It's a very expensive. It is. It is, and it won't. I would even go so far as to say, I don't think it will become successful as a product line. If the only way you can get one is to spend thirty five hundred dollars, oh, oh, definitely. But if you're an early adopter, you know, wh- wh- I don't look at it, and this goes back to my other point about the quality of the product. I do not look at this and say, "Oh, for thirty five hundred dollars, you're buying a lemon." You're not. You're buying a really kind of remarkable product, regardless of whether it becomes again the business conversation is a separate conversation. And again, it's like just experiencing the things that I experienced in that demo. If I spent thirty five hundred and had no third party apps, I'd still be happy, because like as a way to watch movies, unbelievable. As a way to just browse the web, and like it's just comfortable and beautiful. Like we sound mad I know. talking about this. Well, I would say ergonomically, I think it is a better experience if you're sitting on a couch than using a laptop, for example. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because you're not hunched over. You're not hunched over looking down. Yeah. You're you're just you're in a relaxed position. And like, yes, you're you have to, to have neck stuff. strength, right? Like that's the thing that we're all going to be building, right? Because I, I saw one someone. Pound. I think it might have been underscore was saying it's like how all the F1 drivers they like focus on their neck strength, and yeah. you see them doing all these like neck exercises. We're going to be doing that, you know. Invest in a good pillow. But this is again, it's like <laughs> why is it thirty five hundred dollars? Why is it called Pro? Because this is the top end of a product line that we don't know the bottom end of right. yet. That they can't make the bottom end of right no. now. And like Mark Gurman was talking about, like 2025 is still the, the goal. And like by that point, we'll understand what is the core of the experience. Right. We don't know that yet. Like what features can you remove? Right. Because Gurman said the the front facing screen with the eyes is a cannot be removed feature, which I thought was a little bizarre. But, but, no, but I, th- I, I understand I it philosophically. So. But like if you look at 
what Apple is pitching this product as, their framing is around it not being a um, closed-in experience. Yes. Where I was, and that is, I think, a lot of what makes this product super good is it's not that like closed-in experience. I mean, it can be if you want it to be, but this is this is the. I know we, we talked about this last week a little bit, but like, you got to think about this. This product does everything that every other VR product does. Yep. Except when they're talking to developers, then there's all this detail about immersion yep. and how you can go from a shared space to a basically like a full screen mode, which is like your space, to immersion where you control the whole world, right? So they have that capability, all which there. is important. It's all there, but they don't want to they they emphasize it. Yeah. This is an AR-first product. And so like the idea of that screen on the front is about making sure people are aware of you, you're aware of people, and they have all these sensors to allow for that, Like, which is further showing what the future of this product line is to be, which is not this closed-in thing. I think, ideally, for them, they don't get rid of the eyes now because in future, there'll be no screen there, right? Right, in the long in the long term. That is clear. It may be that the eyes are, you know, are not are not as good or it may just be like I said, I think one way to frame it is they just can't make that yep. product yet. And when it when they can, they will keep as much of this stuff as they can yep. and price it lower. And it probably won't be three hundred dollars, right? <laughs> Even yep. the low end one is not gonna be like that. One they'll of, also learn. They'll yep. learn they'll learn that like, oh, we don't actually need that sensor, right? No, no the do you need eight cameras rather than 12? Like once you've got use, once you have data of people using these things, yeah. can you get away with dropping this sensor and dropping that sensor? Could you, you know, like for example, one of the things that I was told by the product manager, by the way, did you, you go out and speak to the product manager afterwards? Right? Yes. I talked to Bob Borchers. The, did uh, you? Oh, yeah. I our, spoke to, to somebody else man. who I'd not met before who worked on the team and, I found that so difficult to ask questions after having that experience. Like my brain was like just full, and I had I just was really struggling to yeah. ask things. I was reminded of when I when I had my original iPhone demo, yeah. which again it was like six months before it came out, and they wanted they handed me the phone and wanted to have a conversation with me about the product <laughs> while I was using it, and they would ask me questions or I would try to ask them questions. It was like, hum, uh, blah, blah, meh. That's what huh? I was like. Because I was so focused on the product. This was a little bit better because at least I got to do the product and then yep. talk to them, but yeah. Even and then. They knew, they knew that everybody yeah. was coming out there a little dazed like and, and amazed, and they, yeah, exactly. They thought it was kind of funny. I was saying, it's like, is everybody doing this? Like, And it's like, yeah, everybody's doing this. But one of the things that we were talking about was... Uh, the fact that the they have an infrared flood illuminator in this thing, so yeah. you could use it at night. Well, maybe that's the thing you wouldn't have in a cheaper model, right? Right. Oh yeah, so you got night vision. Yes, these are night vision goggles. So you could use them in the dark, and it would still catch all of the finger movements. Which I will also say, hands up, like I oh, was wow. like, I didn't think this was going to work. Right, the eye tracking and the oh, right. hand Cause control because the, the quest, or at least the quest two, everything else gets, doesn't work. I was that playing, well. I was playing with the quest two in in a, in a back bedroom here, and it was at sunset. And it, at one point, the quest two was like, it's too dark now. Yep. I can't use. You can't be, do this anymore. But before I tried this thing, I was like, I'm not sure if they can make this work. Oh, they've made that work. I'm still not sold on the gaming story uh the idea of showing like oh hey you just play a playstation controller that's not immersive yeah. you've broken the immersion I, I my gut feeling is that they will have an mfi essentially yes. program for I think all controllers of that, that will work with the vision pro if you want precise gaming i don't think they're going to make it themselves but i think they will make that uh spec that's yep. available for people who want to build 
uh, essentially like MetaQuest hand controllers yep. or Sony hand controllers for this thing. They also, again, imagine if they if they announced that last week. They there would be first off, it's muddying the message. Mm-hmm. Um, it is saying something they don't offer, and they're highlighting out like a a, a limitation. They're taking the focus away from their hand tracking prowess, which they're very proud of. So I would expect they would eventually. like people over the next six months to make hand tracking focus games. Like that's what they would prefer. Yeah. Because and and look, I'm not particularly opposed to it as such because maybe it allows for a different type of game to sure. be made. I think they'll also talk to developers of existing VR titles and say, Can you do can this? you do this here? Well, let's try yeah, to use so. our tech. And that will indicate whether how highly they have to prioritize mm-hmm. letting third party hand tracking or third party in- input stuff yeah. come to it because yeah if you can't i mean if you can play beat saber by just holding up your hand and and waving it around you probably could beat saber is one you fine. could do and yeah. like you could even if you wanted hold on to something probably and it wouldn't you know if you wanted to but beat saber you is the the biggest game and yeah. that is probably the easiest to bring with hand tracking it's, i would think so but there are a lot of experiences that wouldn't translate but maybe it's not important maybe right? not. like this is maybe what we're gonna learn but, but but i can also see them saying okay um there is a certain percentage of these games that are super intense and for those you buy a controller yeah. and and you you don't have to it doesn't have to be a playstation controller it can just it can be a hand a special vr controller yeah. and here's our api for that yeah yeah but you know gaming was an asterisk in their kind of presentation as such like they were focusing more on like something we didn't speak about too much and it's a phrase that i'm trying to like integrate into my lexicon the same as vision pro which i keep messing up is spatial computing yes that's how they focus this it's not a vr ar device as such it's a, it's a spatial computer yeah spatial computing is the idea of having windows in your world that you can see and interact with whilst also still being able to see past to the fireplace in front of you, to be able to have this huge window up and look down and read what's on your iPad. Like the idea of these, I don't want to say ambient because it's more active, but it's like this idea of there is computing just occurring around you, that you can bring your Mac into this world. They did confirm, by the way, it's one screen screen. for the Mac, which I do think is fine because of the way it works. I was always imagining that maybe if you use the Mac, that was all you could use. But if you can use the Mac in conjunction with uh, the the Vision OS apps, and I really hope they have some kind of great continuity stuff where Mm -hmm. you could like drag from the Mac to... Oh, yeah, right. right? You feel like they've got to be able to do that. yeah. At that point, that works great for me. Yeah. You have like a huge screen for your Mac and then all of your other apps around you. It's a little like working with a Mac where you've got an iPad next to you yeah. that's got some stuff yeah. on it. I mean, in the long run, in the long run, I would love I would love the idea of being able to bring up a Mac and have it show you like the other spaces. Just well, I have here, no doubt that right? there will be a developer that will make that up. Yeah, I just I think that at some point Apple will need to will yes. will we'll, we'll, if that's going to happen that Apple will do it. And I think that could be very interesting. I also have that moment where I think to myself, at some point, maybe this thing will just run the Mac on it. I mean, mean, they don't have the capability to do that right now. They're obviously pushing this thing to the limit. Um, When they have spare power in the future, right? Right. Then yes, in theory, it could do that. But maybe, hey, maybe maybe we won't care about macOS. Maybe not. Maybe Vision OS is the future, right? Like we don't know right now. I definitely saw a take that said... 
this seems like more almost more like a Mac replacement than yes. anything else. And I think that there's something to that. Yes. I think it's not for everybody, but you could almost view it as being as somebody, and I, I, I forget who, there's so many, so many takes. Lots of takes. Uh, somebody said, it's almost like a really smart display. Sure. And there's something, it is that, it's a lot of other yeah. things too, but it is that. And if working, like, okay, we're in my office here. Mm-hmm. I... I am a person who works, leaving the animals aside for a minute, if it's possible. Uh, I am working alone yep. all day yep. in an office. Yep. Um, I could see a scenario where instead of having my studio display, I used a virtual display with the Vision Pro. I'm not saying I would do that. I, it would be a thing that I would definitely test if you know when I review this, presumably next year. That would be a thing that I would test, but. I could see it as a possibility yeah. of of having that. Uh, you know, it wouldn't be the same if I was, uh, were you know, interacting. I think one of the challenges here is that it is a still a solitary device, even with the pass through, and they they pushed it a little bit. But like the bottom line is, Lauren and I are not going to be watching movies together on this thing because you can't. Uh, you'd have to buy two, That's and then too, they yeah. would, and then share play and stuff like that. It, it's a it's a single user experience in that way, but. I have a lot of my time that is single user when I'm focused on yeah. my work. And the yeah. idea of being able to work in my office or drop it down and be in an environment, but have my Macs and have apps and, and do all of that kind of thing, I I can see that as a potential yeah. use case. Not necessarily the use case, but I can definitely see it as a possibility extending my Mac, still still using my mm-hmm. Mac, but having it be a part of a larger thing. But and, and the hotel rooms and, and and airports and stuff like that where it's like yeah. you don't have the room and yeah. you don't have your setup, that's also really interesting. We don't know what it's like to use for an extended period of time. We, we don't. Because um, like, I know that if I use any VR headset currently for more than a couple of hours, it, I don't feel great. Yeah. And while this was very comfortable for those half an hour, for that half an hour we used it, you know, I left it feeling strange, but I think I was just overwhelmed. Mine... For the record, mine was not comfortable the entire time. I had intense pressure on my forehead yeah. the entire time. I couldn't get it to balance. I didn't get to sit. I think right my either. light shield thing just didn't fit my yeah. face, and and everything I did with the I, I adjusted all the straps and everything. I could not get. Now I've had that experience with the MetaQuest too, where it's like eventually I figured out exactly yeah. how to put it on. Yeah. Um, but also, they're going to have more more of these yeah, shields. They emphasize as well, right? that they only have a few sizes yeah. right now, and that they're going to be more sizes. And that's what the face ID scanning does. The reason you do the scanning, I talk about. They're trying to. That. They're trying to do. They, a, they have a. They will have a range of right. the the light shields that go inside, which is what makes contact right. with so, your face. So the way it's going to work is you're going to go into the Apple Store, yeah. and one of the things they're going to do is they're either going to scan or you're going to use the Apple Store app yeah. to scan your face, and it uses that to say, oh, you should use the, you know. I don't even know what they're going to call them. Size eight. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, like the Apple eight. Watch loop band. Yeah, whatever, exactly. Right? And then that'll be the one and they'll probably have them around to so for you to test sure. in the store. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you order it online, you would just use whatever they recommend and have it have it come to you. I don't know. I don't know if you... It, they said that you you will be able to order it online. But do you then have to go pick it up? So that, what they said is... No, what they said is okay. that the, it'll be in the Apple Store app. That okay. you'll scan your face in the Apple Store okay. app and... It will use that. Do to you know set your how order. the prescription lenses are working from a, from a store perspective? Uh, I think okay. So legally, at least in the U.S., and this is only in the U.S. for now, um, prescription lenses are a medical device, and so you have to have. It's just like how I got my Quest lenses from a third party. Op- so you won't buy those store. from Apple. 
so you don't buy those from Apple. You buy them from Zeiss or from a Zeiss like retailer that yep. stocks them, yep. and you will present them with your valid prescription. Yep. And then they will sell you the. This the, is why the I think lenses. if I try and get one of these early, I'm going to need to get contact lenses because I don't think Zeiss is going to accept my filthy or, British prescription again. Or yeah, or or you're going to have to just come. You're going to need big uh, American optometry buddy. Yeah, but someone's going to need my prescription. Right? You got to find your eye double. Okay, I'll work on that. <laughs> work on an eye double. Work on that. Put post it on the internet and say, "Here's my eye prescription. Who's a close match?" and and they'll volunteer to do it. David in the in the um, Discord has a good question that we should specify here, which is: Is it multi-user or like an iPhone and iPad? The answer is: It is a little like the Mac in the sense that you have a user and then there's a guest user yes. that you can say. Now, I I look at this and I think. Guest users okay, but like you could probably get more couples to be willing to buy this thing if you could have two users instead of a, the guest, a temporary the guest, guest user. Guest user is basically like it's your friends trying it on. It's in-store try-on, so you don't have to recalibrate because they, they, right, they it saves all of your settings and yeah. then you put it in guest mode and then it it They'll does do this, the calibration yeah. and do the whole thing. Yeah, so you can do that. So if your friend comes also, over and wants to try but, it, you the put lenses it in guest mode. that you put in as well are magnetic. Yeah, so you could have you could a, your lenses, you could have your partner's lenses, and then the guest mode could just be set to that one person. Like, yeah, it's not an impossible thing. I do think that like this is a device which is complicated for multiple people to use, even though it's so expensive. It would be nice if it could. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. I, it's just it's one of those things where I could see that you might have this like we're going to share this one, mm-hmm. and it's it's at least what Apple says now is that's not going to be the case. There's sort of you, and then if you have somebody who wants to use it, you can put it in guest mode for them. And that person would have to recalibrate every time because I bet that's just how guest mode works. I, I would think so. So I had a few extra details that I picked up throughout okay. the week. Developer kits are going to be coming. Yes, uh, I heard that too. It is unknown when. Or how fully featured that just Apple have just right. said there will be developer kits. Yeah. So the way it's going to work is they're going to do a thing where there are various cities around the world: Cupertino, London, Munich, Shanghai, Singapore, and Tokyo. Yeah, you're on it. Uh, where developers are going to be able to go and work with the hardware in an Apple location. You schedule your time and all of that. But yeah, it sounds like after that, when there are more of them available, they're going to do. It's going to be like the other developer kits have been where. You're going to be a developer. You're going to apply, mm-hmm. and it's not going to be a random thing, right? They're going to look at what your apps are or what you what app you say you're building. They're going to make some judgments, and they're going yeah. to approve people to get it. It's going to be a limited supply, yep. but that the, there will be developers who will be able to get these because obviously they want that to be the case. Yeah. And um, I have a theory, which is in some of the videos at WWDC, there is a little dongle up at the connector, the magnetic connector up at the top of the of the. Uh, it's by the uh, the pods, the audio pods. Why do why they why did they have to name that audio pods? Pods. It's like earpods. Speakers. Ear, they're earpods or AirPods uh, or pods. This, my, my my only criticism at the moment is that the Vision Pro has too many brands inside inside of it. Of it sure. They they, they over buzzworded this yeah. product. Oh yeah, yeah. Eyesight and yeah, uh, there's yeah. too much stuff going on. Um, they're they're, they're running wild there. So. Um, the, there's a dongle in the videos that is, uh, it looks like it's power and USB out. And people are like, what is that? Because that's not Mm -hmm. how you're supposed to charge it is up at the headset. You're supposed to charge it down at the battery. And my theory is it's for development. 
That's, theory, that's how you get data out as well. My as theory power. is you tether it to a Mac when you're developing software yeah. and that the ones that they're, I mean, maybe not, and maybe it's just a developer unit inside of Apple, no, but I that's, my, that makes sense, that's my theory is that, that, that probably what's going to happen is this thing is going to run uh, a, a beta version of Vision OS, but maybe limited, um, but that's what it's going to be. And maybe yeah. not. Maybe, I mean, it's out there now. Well, this is the thing of like, uh, so I was talking to Underscore about this, who, by the way, wrote a wonderful article that I put in the show notes today about kind of like, why he is going to be a developer for this and mm-hmm. like what that means. And I just thought it was like, it, he calls it a developer's view of Vision Pro, which I just really like that as a framing. He is committing to be there day one. And so I think it's worth reading if you are thinking about this to kind of see where he's coming from. But he was you know, saying about like, well, the Apple Silicon developer kit was a Mac mini with a chip inside. Right. That was never a shipping product. Right. How final is this going to be but they they hadn't announced any products when they did the developer kit right whereas this sure. product has been announced I, my guess is that it's going to be a uh it's going to be pre-release hardware that they're going to have to return mm. but that it will and there's a question of w- whether they will just limit what the os is capable of because the stuff's not ready and you know everything's going to leak Right, like everybody's gonna who gets one of these, somebody's gonna have a friend who's gonna get it to yeah. the verge or whatever. Oh, right, like all that stuff's gonna happen. So they're gonna contain it a little bit, but I do think it will be basically what the final hardware is gonna be, barring a oh, barring a little bit and like, tether and, and maybe even so maybe even required it to be tethered yeah. to uh, the Mac that is attached to the same developer account that has Vision Pro authorized, and then then they then they do it. Yeah. Neither of us had great experiences with the FaceTime personas. I, uh, mine was buggy, and I didn't really like it very mine much. Mine was the uncanniest of valleys. Yeah, I yeah. thought I was, and I was one of those people who was um, optimistic about it. Because after the keynote, I, I heard a bunch of people who were like, "Oh, oh, that digital persona." Oh, and I was like, ah. "I mean, even on the the episode we did last week, I was like, hey, you know, we'll see, we'll see." Mm-hmm. And then I saw it, and I thought, "No." No, it it is. This looks like a person, but they're not, and they're moving their face, but not quite in a human way. And I, I, mean, I it, really, they, it looked like a video game. Like they look like a video game character. Yeah, and not quite right. Yeah, like a, which is how video game characters ex- often exactly. look. Exactly. Right? It's, it's like the it's eyes. There's just something in the eyes that isn't right. Mine yeah. was broken. Like uh, at one point, the eyes moved in different directions. Something that uh, <laughs> I didn't mention in Cortex, but I remembered when talking to someone about it. The special persona I was talking to, I don't think had any hair, but like not in like this person was bald in that like the skin just cut off at the top oh, and no. there was no hair. Yeah, it, that there was clearly a connection issue for me with that part. But in the State of the Union, they did something Apple very rarely does. They showed something they're working on, which was spatial personas. Right. So the idea that like there is a future version of this technology where these people will look even more realistic and have like volume to them. And will they be out in the world instead of in a box? N- well, they d- there's no box around them. Okay. But so that it looks like that you could kind of like just have them hanging out, okay. but it's still just a disembodied head. Because yeah, that's that's the w- one thing that surprised me that I thought was kind of weird was that not only is this persona not great, but um, it's in a FaceTime window. Yeah. It looks, I'm showing Jason an image from the Mac Rumors article that's in the show. Oh. This is in the State of the Union. So they're like in a portal kind of hovering. They're kind of like, they're, they're still just hanging out, right? It's still just like a head and shoulders hanging out. Yeah. And this person has a hand where they're pointing. But they're like in a place. But they're kind of like fading, you know? You kind of, but right. they, they, apparently they have more volume. Right. Clearly, this is, you know, one of those things that they wanted to show, but is not ready to ship. 
And, and I wonder if when it sh- when the thing ships, will it be like this, or will it be like who knows? How quick will they get there? I think also that they're absolutely going to let you create an avatar that's like a memoji. I they just didn't want to show it. I, no, I, because it's not impressive. It's not impressive. This is their impressive new technology yeah. for this. And the the truth is that yeah, after having seen it, I would probably choose to just use a memoji instead. But they've got to start, and maybe in the future it will look good enough. But right now. Didn't work for me. Yeah, I agree. Anything more on the Vision Pro today? Obviously. Oh, boy. We're going to be talking about this constantly. I wanted to now. say briefly about the dinosaur experience that In, happened yeah, at the end. Yeah. I thought it was really funny. So I think because I was a little late getting up, I sat there watching as the di- big dinosaur came closer. And they're like, you should get up there and, and interact with a dinosaur. And I walked up toward the dinosaur and I ended up inside the dinosaur. <laughs> okay. And it kind of okay. like, it kind of like grayed out. And I realized yeah, that. that I was kind of like, and I was like. <laughs> you had a failure too. Then. I, I did have a, I had a dinosaur uh. failure. Uh, and then I didn't experience, not I feel like I was too close. And, and so it wasn't really reacting to me anymore. Uh, also, it was a big dinosaur and I didn't want to interact with it because it could kill me. They, they they told me to get up basically as soon as that started. So yeah. maybe they learned from maybe your they learned, experience. Yeah, because I got up too late and I got too close and then it popped out. That's and, a shame because that inside was the, model. the most impressive part of the demo for me was yeah. that dinosaur walking into the room and I was terrified of it. And and that that was like, oh yeah, you've we've we've. The, in this part, we've gone past the I can't tell what's real anymore kind of stage, yeah. which is really what you want. And well, to be able to deliver that kind of experience in an AR environment, not in a VR environment, was very impressive. That, to I me. think that's why it's so impressive yes. is that you're, you're in you what you perceive it. to be a real space. Yes. And then there's this thing in there that's unreal. Yeah. I think my favorite moment was the sizzle reel of oh, the 180 yeah. degree immersive video because. Yeah. As a, a a sports guy, especially, it yep. was just like this is. I mean, it's so much closer to what's going on. That dunk and the ground ball and in the baseball game, like ah, oh, that was just really good stuff. And then the other stuff. I mean, being up on a cliff and looking down and the, you know deep down into the cliff and all yep. that. That was also very impressive. Too. The sports part was the most impressive. I part think so. of that because it didn't have the kind of like. You know, it starts with like Alicia Keys is singing at you. And that right. just doesn't feel real because she wouldn't do that. Yeah. You know, but the sports thing, they're doing their thing. They're not paying any attention to no. the camera. And so you just feel like you're just hanging out and watching yeah, the sports. Spectator there. And like, I think that there is a big market in that. I, I agree. I think that that's going to be one of those places if they can do it. And there's some technical questions there because, right, this is all baked in after. And the question is like, is it only from one perspective? Can you switch to different perspectives? How do you, can you stream it live? Because, you know, is that, and what's the quality if you stream it live? Because you're going to have to compress that video. You've got stereo, so it's got to be two images. Uh, what's the frame rate? You know, what's the resolution? I have questions about like, if I can, I get that in my home and stream it live ish, you know, even if it's like a delay of 10 seconds or 30 seconds or whatever, I've got lots of questions, but if they can make that into a product and MLS might be the thing that they try. Oh, I'm sure they will. Um, and it's not going to be everywhere. It's going to be like, maybe there's a, an MLS game that is going to be in 3d immersive starting, you know, next season when this thing is shipping. And maybe there's, um, a, a Friday night baseball game that is in there because they're probably only going to have a limited number of cameras that they can even shoot this with. And you could do it at concerts too. 
Absolutely. Like music and, still works. And it's just the weird, Apple Music uh, experience in too, the, right? In the demo, you're just in a recording studio of Alicia Keys. Yeah. It's like, that doesn't feel right. But you could like just put one of these down in the front at row. Ed Sheeran concert and you're yeah. at the front row and now you're just watching it and he's uh, doing his thing. Yeah, I would have loved to. Have- All of this is like, it's such a smart move because it's like, for sports, I would pay more than what the pay-per-view costs, but not as much as the tickets. So now you've got this middle tier to uh-huh. charge people. But like, if you know, pay-per-view is $10, tickets 100 I'd pay 50 Mm-hmm. To have this immersive experience where I feel like I'm actually sitting and watching immersive, the game. Immersive on yeah. And and for a concert, immersive on demand. Yeah. Like, you know, I can't make the concert. I, I'm too far away or I can't make that day. But you can, you know, two days later you can watch that concert and, and it's like it's you're in the front row. That would be great. Infinite ticket sales, right? It is. There is like there usually you're bound by the size of the stadium. Yeah. Well everyone that couldn't have got a Taylor Swift ticket could watch it in immersive video. Right. Instead. If they wanted to. Right. And it's going to be a different experience. This is a thing that came up in a couple of places, and I think it's worth talking about. The difference between watching clips of Avatar and watching the immersive video. Mm -hmm. And the difference is, I think 3D movies on this are going to be amazing. Yes. Because Um, it was. Avatar, I mean, is the perfect example because James Cameron's been a 3D. Like, he cares about 3D at a level that almost nobody else in the movie industry cares about. Most 3D movies are shot in 2D because it's way easier to shoot in 2D. And then they are processed into 3D. And they can still be very impressive. But they're, you know, James Cameron is, like, at the forefront of this. He really cares about this stuff. So that was great. But it's also a movie. Not only is it in a rectangle, but... You know, I'm going to get back to my old film class in college, right? It's cuts and framing. It's the director chooses what you see. They choose the camera angles and the cuts and the framing. And it all goes into the storytelling of the the decisions by the director. Yep. Um, the immersive stuff, it's like you're there. And I think that that's interesting because like I, I watched, so the last concert film I watched was there's a 1975 concert on Amazon Prime Video. It's great. Um, from their, it's I think Madison Square Garden on mm-hmm. their on their latest tour, and it's fun. But if I were watching that in immersive from the front row, I wouldn't get the cuts. Yeah. You know, it cuts to the audience. It cuts to close up on Maddie Healy. It, it backs up and shows it. It shows the drummer. It's like the director is showing you what the director thinks that you should see in that moment. And if I was watching the immersive video of it, I would be at the front of the stage and I could look where I wanted. And it's not necessarily a better experience. It's just a different it's one. It's just a different one because now I'm the director. If I'm if I am amazed by the fans bouncing next to me, I can watch the fans bouncing next to me whenever I want. Or I can look up on stage and look at, at Maddie or I can go over and look at the, the saxophone player or whatever at any time, like when I go to a real concert, right? It's just different. And... I, it, and sports will be like that too. And, and again, Ben Thompson said something that I thought was great, which is like, the difference is I'm just sitting courtside and if I, and there's no technology in my way, I'm just there. And if I want to see what the score is, I look at the scoreboard yeah. and like that says it all. There's no overlay with the score or anything. The point is that you're there. So I feel like the immersive stuff is going to be really interesting because there are some choices to be made, but it, what it isn't is a... They could do a 3D version of a soccer match, mm-hmm. and maybe they will. But what I think they're also going to try is this immersion thing, where it's like you're not you're you're now at a really good seat at the soccer match, or you're right behind the goal at the soccer match, or whatever. And maybe you can choose where you are. I think that would be interesting because it might get a little boring if you're in one place. Maybe you maybe you flip around where you are, and you can choose that. But like, it's just different, and yeah. it's going to be interesting to see. Um, 
what happens with that. Because Apple, with all of its ties to the entertainment industry and to the sports industry now, Apple can make this stuff happen. This episode is brought to you by our friends over at Text Expander. When you work in a small team, every moment counts. Every keystroke counts. You don't want to be wasting your time finding video conferencing details that you've got to send to your client you've got to call with in two minutes. You don't want to track down the same FAQs from the company website to answer the support emails. These are the kinds of things you want directly at your fingertips so you can get your work done faster. That is why you need Text Expander. With Text Expander, you can access what you want to type the most with just a few keystrokes allowing you to work faster and eliminate repetition so you can focus on what matters most to you. Text Expander's powerful shortcuts and abbreviations streamline your team's work. All you have to do is type a short abbreviation and Text Expander will do the rest for you. You can build and collect your most commonly used phrases, messages, URLs, and more right within Text Expander and choose your chosen abbreviation and they will be with you wherever you type. You can customize the snippets by having them automatically add in dates, fill in the blank fields, timestamps, and more to make sure you can keep personality and individuality in the communication that you're sending. Text Expander is available on any device that you use across any app that you use on Mac, Windows, Chrome, and iOS. And with the sharing features, you really can make sure that everyone's on the same page. If you have things that your team needs access to, you can all get the most up-to-date information just by activating one of those snippets. If repetitive typing is getting you down, you need Text Expander. Check out Text Expander today at textexpander.com slash upgrade, and you can get 20% off your first year. That's textexpander.com slash upgrade to say goodbye to repetitive typing. Our thanks to Text Expander for their support of this show and Relay FM. You have had a busy week. Just, I, have, I just got more tea, by the way. I know. I watched, I watched Jason. We just took an ad break, especially for I, I feel bad. Plus, you don't know you, that. Normally, you don't know that I've left you uh-huh. when you're reading the ad. And Well, also, I feel like you need to... You're getting the, 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 the typical like gladiator experience that I'm through uh-huh. where I have to sit here the whole time. Need more liquid? Can't do it. Need to use the bathroom? Ain't happening. Mike sits here in this chair for the entire time every week. You know, you can literally thing. take a break at nope. any point. I will not. This is this is the way I am. You know, sometimes it just keeps me alive. You've been busy <laughs> this week because you have also had to review not one, but two Macintosh computers. Yeah, you know, normally I would have spent the rest of the week after we had our, our couple of days in San Jose. Normally... We would, uh, Dan Morin and I would spend the rest of the week scouring the videos on the website for tidbits. Mm-hmm. And that, that didn't happen this time because I spent all of my time with a Mac Studio with an M2 Ultra processor. M2 Ultra. And a 15-inch MacBook Air, which is actually right in front of you right now. I can see it. I mean, it's it's big. I saw it. It's, yeah. uh, what is that, Starlight? Yeah, that's Starlight. I mean, I also saw one of I saw this and I had the, the demo experience in yeah, the hands-on. The hands-on area, yeah. Um, I but, mean, there's nothing to say about okay, I had to write two reviews. Yeah. Of products that are, you know, not that surprising. The newest thing in it is that we hadn't seen the M2 Ultra before. And the answer is the M2 Ultra oh. is faster in the same way yeah. that the M1 Ultra is faster than the rest of the M1s. This isn't but it's not this much of a surprise. Max, I mean, this isn't a huge difference. Does this Mac Studio have more I.O.? Was it just the Mac Pro that it's, got more it's, I.O.? It's just the Mac Pro. Okay. So obviously the chip is capable of having many, 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 many more Thunderbolt port- ports on it, plus a bridge that takes it to many, many, many uh, PCI cards. Um, and you know, they're just using the standard Mac studio. So on the ultra, you get the, what, four USB-C in the back plus two in the front, plus there's USB-A in the back. Right. 
or sorry, yeah, Thunderbolt. They're Thunderbolt in front and back. And on the Max, they're Thunderbolt only on back and they're USB on front. Okay. So there's a lot of IO anyway, but they didn't change any of that. Really, the big change in the Mac Studio is the chip is an M2 instead of an M1. I said in my review, if you've got an M1 Mac Studio, you're fine. Yeah. It's, it's you know, it's, it's M1 like to M2. It's incremental. I, I don't think anybody, we've been saying this all along. If you've got an M1 and, and you look at the M2 and like, well, should I update for the speed? That is not a reason. It's it's faster, but like the people who should buy this are people who, um, and I said this in the review, people who are still on Intel, um, people who maybe have an M1, but it's like a lower end model, like a Mac Mini or something like that, and they, they want more power. Or it's people who like saw that M2 Max and said, I'm going to get the MacBook Pro. And I know multiple people who have a MacBook Pro tethered to a monitor and mostly just use it as a desktop and would say, you know, the Mac Studio is nice and you could sell that MacBook Pro and buy a MacBook uh, or buy a Mac Studio instead and put it on your studio display. So, uh, yeah. So, I- anyway, it's it's that. Oh, and the big the big news that all the Mac nerds want to know, which is, is it, qui- is it quieter? And the answer is yes, it is quieter. It is quieter. I So the test for me was when I was reviewing the M1 Mac Studio, I had it out on my desk and I I did. I was not testing for noise, and I thought to myself, "What's that sound?" And it was the fans on the Mac Studio. And when I put it under my desk, I didn't hear them anymore. And that's where my Mac Studio lives now. But with the M2, I put it on my desk and listened for a fan, mm-hmm. and I didn't hear it. And the only way I could hear the fan is either to turn it around 180 degrees, so I was listening to the back of it, or to go around to the back of my desk and listen. There is a fan noise there, but it is quieter. That's the best way I can quantify it is it's quiet enough that if I if it's on my desk and I'm in front of it, I can't hear the fan. And that fan noise is consistent. I was trying to... I think it'll crank up if you really blast the GPU and the CPU. Sure. I tried uh, to blast the GPU and it, it, it didn't get any louder. So it's just... And then I had my uh, M1 over next to it. It's actually over there. You can see it. Uh, my M1 Hello. Mac Studio. And I could hear it from my chair, even though it's over by the wall now. <laughs> so it's it's it is appreciably quieter. If that was the thing that was freaking you out about the Mac Studio, is that the fan noise was a bit too much, um, they fixed it. And I Apple confirmed that like we made some changes. To oh, the, so they, to the to the cooling system, okay. they wouldn't say what they were. They wouldn't quantify them in any way. So the best I can I'm tell you is they're quieter, and I couldn't hear it in a fairly quiet room. Um, with it facing me, so the fan is pointing out the back. That was enough to hide the audio, uh, hide that that hissing sound. Um, and that's not true of the M1. So it's definitely quieter than the M1. The fact that this product exists, the second version, has sold me on it being my next computer. Ah, uh, because it's not going to go away now. No. I think, and yeah. that that was my worry of like, was this just a stopgap? And now, like, they just don't need it anymore. Like, we weren't sure, right? But now, I mean, really, this is the Mac Pro This is the Mac Pro This is the Mac Pro now. Yeah, the Mac Pro. So that's one of the things that I hit in my review was um, it's always been that the Mac Pro has been the highest-end Mac. And it may be again, right? There were those rumors that they were working on, like, a four-chip version of the M2, and then they killed it, and it isn't going to happen. And so the, the Ultra is two. Maxes put together. It's like, was it M- M- extreme? Well, there, yeah. I mean, I think Mark Gurman kind of made up a name for it, but like the idea was that they were going to use that ultra fusion technology to connect four together, and then that didn't happen. It could happen in the future, and it if might it does, be too much. <laughs> it might be. Well, this is the thing. It could happen, and if it does happen, it'll happen on the Mac Pro, not yeah. in the Mac Studio. Yeah. But I think um, 
the truth is that for at least for now, the Mac Studio with the Ultra chip and the Mac Pro are identical. They're identical in every way that is about the chip. They're mm-hmm. identical in GPU configurations and RAM. They're identical in performance. Only the I.O. is different. Only the fact that you can put PCI cards in there and that there are more Thunderbolt ports out. And the fact that it's huge and expensive. Separate the two. So if you want the fastest Mac money can buy and you don't need that extra I.O., you can just buy a Mac Studio and you get it. So the Mac Studio is... um, I think what I said in the review is still the champion. It's a co-champion now, but it's still the champion. Um, And I like that about it. And so I I think that's a reason for people like you Mm -hmm. to be like, okay... I I view that as being Apple thinks most people should not buy the Mac Pro. Even if they need maximum performance, they should just buy the Mac Studio. The way I think of it now is like the Mac Studio is is the Mac Pro. The Mac Pro is like the specialist Mac Mm -hmm. because it really is like, do you need PCI expansion? Like that has to be internal. Right. Right, and the G- since graphics and RAM are taken out of the equation now, yeah. it is just That's about all it is. It's storage, it's networking, and it's these specialized I/O cards that are used in audio and video. And we saw it. I mean, they they exist. There are people who spend yeah. seven, eight, nine thousand dollars per card and put five cards in there, and they are doing scoring of an orchestra. And it's better to do it on one computer than three. And now they can. And like that's all great, right? But it is so specialized. But it's like realistically. I don't know how long that even exists as a thing. Like Thunderbolt yeah. can handle this. Well, I have had that thought, which is, I wonder if in the long run, the answer is you make some modifications to the Mac Studio that and you sell a breakout box yeah. that does this. Yeah. Because the Mac Studio can do all those things too, yes. right? You would just need a chassis with PCI cards. And a it. Thunderbolt cable. Yeah. That's what, or, or realistically, or several. Is. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm sure that there are specifics that I'm bungling, but like, do, do I? If that's yeah. all it or is. Or they can make a spe- or they can make a special connector. Yeah, that was for their special box, yeah. and then they don't even need to sell a Mac Pro anymore. I think honestly, I think they're amortizing the cost of designing that brand new Mac Pro enclosure, and they might as well do it. Oh and, yeah, yeah, and they got yeah. the rack mountable version, and they're like very, it's pretty and they're very and popular. It's but, a statement. The they're point, making a statement yes, with it. Yeah, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I, and and I, I people who are upset about Mac Pros not having the graphics expansion and all that, I think we all knew this was coming. I don't think it's necessarily forever. I think it's possible that they would try to bring some of that back down the road. But I think it's not likely. Um, I think this is probably what it is. And um, you know, the fact is, Apple Apple can't and won't make computers for every single. Um, everything single use case, mm-hmm. and so on the talk show last week, which we were all at, mm-hmm. um, you know, they're they're doing their marketing spin, but I think there's also truth in there too, which is yes, they can't scale like PCs can in certain ways. At the same time, their argument is they have chosen a different path. And that Apple Silicon Macs are have diverged from the priorities of Intel PCs in lots of ways, and this is the path they have chosen. <laughs> and you know, if if Apple has not ever been afraid of leaving some people behind along the way, yeah, it's like, look, if if Apple seems they to be do okay, not need to make a Mac to train machine learning models. Exactly. They don't have to do they, that. They don't. The PCs can do that, and then Macs can use the output. Yeah, I had a funny, funny moment where there was a demo of the Mac Pro and they were talking about using um, Nuke and they were going to do, it's very impressive, uh, machine learning model 
where basically an artist was going to rotoscope um, hundreds of frames and they, they, they drew 20 frames that were representative of the whole motion. And then they built a machine learning model and outputted uh, all the frames. And so you get, their point there was that you can use machine learning to further the creative process. So there's like an actual artist who does the hand drawing and then the machine learning expands it so they don't have to draw every frame. Because they have the neural engine. That's very cool. However, in the demo, at one point, they said, now I'm not actually going to train the model here because that'll take a couple hours. And I thought, ah, there it is. Uh, that 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 model training happens on the GPU and even on a Mac Pro, they can only have yeah. whatever it is, uh, seventy odd GPUs. And the fact is, that training would probably not happen on that Mac Pro, no. right? That training would happen on a PC that's packed with GPUs, and they would do the training there in less time. And you're right, Apple doesn't have to. There's this moment that I think people get to where they're like, "Aha!" And for that, you need to use a PC. And it's like, you know what, Apple should not be in the business of filling every ecological niche. They really mm -hmm. shouldn't. And we could argue like, oh, but they're going to lose this market. It's like, well, they've lost a lot of markets. There are yeah. a lot of markets that Apple is not in anymore and they're not getting them back. And it's okay as long as they're serving, you know, the markets that make sense for Apple. And this Model is a case. Model training where, yeah. is like a finite thing that not every user is going to need, even the pro yeah. users. Like once enough models have been created, you just use the models that exist. Like you, I don't think that into the future, everyone's going to be training their own AI models. Like you're just taking advantage of what is, they are created to be used for what you need them for. But the technology can change as well. And the way these things could be trained could end up being different in the future. We don't know right now. But I don't believe that Apple should make a Mac Pro for this very one specific purpose. I don't think right. that that's something and, they have to do. And I know that there are prominent people out there who we know and have been on the show who talk about about like the you know the idea of GPUs for gaming and things like that. The truth is, it's not really a relevant market for Apple. It just isn't. No, I mean, we spoke about it already. They're trying to find other ways to bring gaming to the Mac and it will yeah. work. It will work perfectly fine yeah but the idea i mean i think i think what apple silicon has done and you can disagree with this or not but uh, in terms of whether you think it's good but you can't dispute that it's true is by focusing on apple silicon they are focusing on design choices that they made that involve uh the the mobile space right it started as an iphone went to the ipad they've they've modified it but like a lot of those design choices that make it so good preclude it from behaving in the way that a traditional Intel PC would. Apple has chosen this path and it, they've benefited from it. And part of that is saying, we're not going to be profiling like an Intel PC in these ways. And you just have to deal with it. Yeah. And like they've made their decisions and it's benefited them, but it will leave things behind where, where you're like, but what about more GPUs? And they're like, you know, I wrote a piece a while ago. I can't remember how long ago now, but basically what I said was, is it worth it? If you think about Apple's whole chip design, you know, those people down in the bunker with Johnny Shruji, if you come to them and you're like, you know what? I know that you've gotten all this way because of your integrated GPUs and memory, but I want to sell the least popular Mac in existence. Uh, and I want you to make a special custom thing that throws everything that you've done up to now away so that I can have yep. uh, GPUs for a very tiny fraction of the people who will buy the least popular Mac in existence, which is the Mac itself, our smallest uh, computing product line at the moment. Like, how could they ever motivate uh, the the chip design team to 
change all of their philosophy for this tiny part of the Mac Pro. Like, I just don't see it. I mean, it's not like, I mean, it's incredibly powerful still, though. Like, yes, you could tune it differently, right? Oh, man. There's but so many, it's still incredibly So powerful. many GPUs on, yeah. that, on that Ultra model. It's just, it's wild. But like that, the Apple Silicon chip ethos and the power per watt and all of that that they're focusing on has enabled them to make a bigger version of what I think is the best laptop Apple's ever made, which is the M2 MacBook Air. Right. So you also have the 15-inch. I do. There, you know, this is the best laptop, but it's a bit bigger. And like, yeah. now there is a product in the lineup for people that want a bigger screen. If you've used the M2 MacBook Air, like you've as used, you say, you've used, you've used it. it the but it's just a bit bigger now. A chip is a chip is a chip in, a, in the Apple Silicon era, and a computer is a computer. Like, this is a, a MacBook Air. It is, I mean, Mark Gurman said this weekend that the, they actually planned on releasing them both together, and yep. they just couldn't do it. And so a year later, almost, we get we get this other one. And then the M3 versions will come in 2024. So right. the, the, the 13-inch is going to be around for longer than it would typically. Right. But it's not. But it's going to be sounds like that's just the M3 is sliding until yep. early next year. Because they've had all this stuff kind of in the bottom. Right. But the, the fact is, I mean, this was the most uh, difficult review to write because mm. there's very little to say about it. It is the 13-inch MacBook Air, except at 15 inches. And most of what I have to say is Apple clearly thinks that there's a switcher opportunity here because 15-inch laptops are very popular on the PC side. I think Apple finally realized that while there are some people who will pay $2,500 in order to get a 16-inch Mac laptop, there are a lot of people who will either just begrudgingly get the 13-inch or will say, well, just forget it, I won't get one, Mm -hmm. or will buy a... A 15-inch Windows laptop because they just don't care. They, in that keynote, really hammered on the idea of switchers, that there's a market there for them. There are people who've bought the 13 who are going to be like, oh yeah, I, I would much rather go up to the 15 on the Air. And yet it keeps everything else about the Air. It is just that M2 MacBook Air. It's just a little wider <laughs> and has a bigger screen and it's got a, and it's a little heavier because it's it's bigger and it has a little more battery, but it it's just to counteract powering the screen. It's the same battery life. It's the same computer, just you can get it in 13 or 15. It's an now. incredible computer for $1,500. Yeah. Like, it just is. And it's a $100 difference if you spec them. Another thing that I noticed is that that $1,199, formerly $1,299 model, that's the one that has the two GPU cores shut off. And that's the one that has the cheaper power adapter. When you go up, when you start to build to order and you get them to match, the difference between uh-huh. the 13 and the 15 is $100. Yeah, they, I said the same 1500 specs. but it starts at 1300 yeah. I was looking at the wrong part. Yeah, yeah. so 1199 or 1399 uh it is so what is it? Yeah, it, it's the same specs at the $100. So for if you want the same specs as the 1399 15 you get a 1299 13-inch 13 model. Yeah. So basically, you want a bigger screen, it's $100 more. It's essentially what it yeah. is. Unless you get they've got the cut rate version that they're that they got down to eleven ninety nine. That used to be twelve ninety nine of the thirteen inch model. That's typical Apple, right? They've got the sort of like super lightweight version. Fifteen inch, they're not they're not selling it that way. There's no uh, reduced core, eight GPU, smaller uh, power adapter in the box for the fifteen inch. You just get the good one. It's and, just storage is the difference yeah. between the two. And you um, can that they put in. and you can. Um, also, power adapter thing. It's just like it was on the built-to-order higher-end models of the 13-inch. You can you could choose. You either get that um, two USB-C adapter, or you can get the one that's got more power with one plug and it does fast charge. Yep. And you can choose. 
but that's not new. That's actually was there last July too. It was yeah. just the the big difference is just that they don't have the reduced cost version as the base model. That's it. I mean, it's a cool computer, man. I mean that yeah, that's it. It's like everything. I think my summation of my review was like, look, just go read my review of the M2 Air from last summer because it's the same computer and yep. it's great. And I bought one and I love it. And I spent you know a year with it and I love it. And this is that but bigger. Yeah, these laptops are so popular. Um, it only makes sense really to have another version of it. It would make sense. Why not make an even smaller one? Let's just go wild. Like the MacBook Air is a product line all on its own. Uh, it, Zach, it's devoid Zach's, from its original branding. But Zach's pointing is. out, yes, 1099 is the base model. It was 1199, now it's 1099. That's the one that's that's got the two fewer GPU cores and the worst charger and, uh, for and that. Probably and, a couple and, of years away and now, 200. and then that 999 and that'll will be go away, and this will be 999. Yeah. No, it's it's uh they're they're headed in that direction. But yeah, I just bottom line is that it was this was my Macworld column last week. I was basically like, hey, the Mac announcements were all really boring, and I think they were I think they were huge. Mm -hmm. I actually think bringing the 13 inch down a hundred dollars, their most popular laptop being a hundred dollars yep. cheaper is huge news. Putting the 15 inch model on top of it, like. I just, anybody who's been in that position where they're shopping for a Mac laptop and they look at like, well, it would be nice to have a bigger screen. It costs what? Uh, and yeah, some people buy the MacBook Pro, but like you don't need the MacBook Pro stuff if you just want a bigger screen. It just used to be that was all you could do. And now now you don't. So yeah, if you want the the bigger screen that's brighter and has the, the ProMotion display and has more IO and it has more powerful processors, like there's a whole list of things that that MacBook yep. Pro gets you. But if all you really care about is you want something bigger than a 13-inch screen, now this is here. I think it's I think it's going to be big. Is the 13-inch 999 on education? Yes. Oh, see, that's amazing. Yep. That's a, just a... Yep. I will say it again. Yeah, so I have hit that. in front of me now. 13-inch MacBook Air is the best Mac I think ever. It's pretty great. Like it, it is the most perfect balance of portability and power that I've ever experienced. And like what they have been able to pull off with Apple Silicon to enable this is unbelievable. Yeah. And now that they've done a similar thing in in the MacBook Air, the only thing I don't like about the 15 inch MacBook Air, the keyboard deck looks weird with no speakers. It looks like just an expanse. So I'll I'll tell you. As somebody who doesn't use a MacBook Pro but has always used a MacBook Air, it doesn't bother me at all. Right. But all the MacBook Pro people are like, oh, this that space with the speakers, because yeah. it's still firing them out the back and yeah. against the screen because that's the, the MacBook Air design. But in all the MacBook Pros, they have grills to just, it's like a visual thing, I think, as well yeah. as a, a helpful thing. But yeah, it just looks like the, the keyboard just looks so tiny. I know. The, in the space. Yeah, that is that is because they've stretched out the they didn't stretch the keyboard. They just stretched out the laptop to be wider. Mm -hmm. And so it's just metal there. Don't perforate your own MacBook Air. Try not to. This episode is brought to you by ExpressVPN. It is so easy to have multiple streaming services. The cost of them can add up, which is why it can be good to discover ways to make the most out of your existing subscriptions. Quite often, streaming services have thousands more shows than you think because you're not seeing them all, but depending on the country that you're based in. What you see on Netflix where you are is completely different to what somebody may see in Italy or in England or anywhere else. Using the ExpressVPN app, you can change your online location. ExpressVPN has 90 countries, over 90 countries to choose from, so when you run out of stuff to watch, you can switch to another country and unlock new shows. Like, for example, you could watch The Lord of the Rings on the Turkish Netflix or Back to the Future on Canadian Netflix. If I want to watch It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia when I'm here in the US, I can change over to UK Netflix and do that. It's as simple as tapping one button and changing my country, refreshing the page or reopening the app, and you're ready to go. 
This means that you're not needing to pay for extra streaming services to watch new stuff. I'm traveling right now. I have been doing this constantly. We were doing it just last night. Idina was like, I can't see the show on Disney because we have the Hulu shows. I was like, oh, just quit that. Open ExpressVPN and the Hulu shows will show up on our Disney Plus. Mm -hmm. Very simple to do. This is a no-brainer. If you want to get more shows and save money while you're at it, go to expressvpn.com slash upgrade. At less than $7 a month, ExpressVPN pays for itself and so much more. Don't forget to use the upgrade link so you can get three extra months for free. That's expressvpn.com slash upgrade. Go to expressvpn.com slash upgrade to learn more and sign up today. Our thanks to ExpressVPN for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. We now move into some Ask Upgrade questions. If you would like to send in questions of your own, go to UpgradeFeedback.com and you can do that. Mike asks, Mike, how bad did your cheeks hurt by the end of Monday? Just caught up on Instagram and you were beaming ear to ear in every picture. I had just the best day. Yeah. Best couple of days. It got only better with the Vision Pro thing. My WWDC experience was basically perfect. Couldn't have been happier. Uh, I think I saw somebody ask me, I had people ask me, like, you know, I obviously such a terrible time last year. Did this make up for it? Yes, it made up for it. I am, I've gotten to the point where I'm pleased I missed WWDC last year because my first WWDC was the introduction of a brand new platform. Yeah. And I got to use that platform. Not many people in history get that opportunity, and I got that. So yeah. I feel Good job. Very, very grateful. Yeah. Izat asks, is the virtual theater in the Vision Pro better than the real thing or just something different? Better than the real thing. Because the way projection systems work at theaters that show 3D, it what they're doing is they've got two images. So they make you put on glasses. Who knows where those glasses have been? Oh. So you're already wearing something on your face, yep. right? And then the glasses are polarized. So what they're doing is they're projecting two images, mm-hmm. left and right eye but they use the brightness of the projector, so it's half the brightness. So yep. three, in most cases, 3D projection will be dim and unpleasant. Uh, and this is not that. This no. is full brightness, and it makes a difference. It really does. And you are sit, sat in the prime position, which yes. is not a thing you're, you get. Right, you're We're dead going center. to see Spider-Verse tomorrow, which I'm very excited oh, about. Oh, good. I haven't seen it. That's great. And we're going, uh, in the cinema that we're going to, we're like on the end of a row because mm. all the middle seats are taken. Right. But if I was watching it at home with my Vision Pro, I'd be right perfectly in the middle. Absolutely. Brian asks, the Vision Pro strap looks like it get in the way of using AirPods Max. Apple didn't design a headset that can't work with their best headphones, right? Well, I mean, Brian, got to tell you, the best headphones are the AirPods Pro, and it won't get in the way of those. Yeah. I I use the AirPods Max and love the AirPods Max. Uh, But the AirPods Pro is clearly what this thing's designed for, and it will give you a better experience. Yep. No, it probably wouldn't work. The strap probably wouldn't work. Mm -mm. But as I was told, and I think you were told too, Apple's fully expecting many people to make many different kinds of straps. This is going to be a connector that people will be able to use. Oh, interesting. I didn't hear that. Uh, That's that's said to me. is like, we expect third parties to make straps for this headset. Because I asked them specifically about the fact that I had the overhead strap. And I didn't recall that in the keynote. Right. And they said to me it was in the keynote, but really it was in like one tiny shot. Um, but all of the imagery just show the back strap, which you can use it that way. But you get, they said, you get additional comfort over longer periods. They believe by using the top strap, but the straps aren't final. But they expect many companies to make many different types of straps for many different types of comfort levels. Because it's just a connector like the Apple Watch, effectively. They think it would be like that one. Okay. 
Jerry asks, noting that the new headset is the Vision Pro, what do you imagine a Vision non-Pro to be? Do you have any thoughts on what Apple could compromise on? It's the quest, big question. Going to be a question of the next year yeah, two or years. more. I mean, Mark Gurman's newsletter this weekend did have some discussion of this. Yeah. I was surprised by some of the the choices that he said, but like he said, the 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 eyesight thing is is going to be on all of them. At least they think that right now. I mean, they may they may change as this goes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think um, they could compromise on. They could have fewer sensors. They could it compromise. It could not be made of aluminium. It could be. It could be. You know, cheaper. It could be. Bring your own uh, speakers. It could be um, lower resolution. Could be. Yeah, that would suck, though. I know. This, I know. This is going to be the really hard part. It, it is like what do. What do they pull out of it? It's going to be very difficult. It may be that it's a lot like this one, but cheaper because it's two years later, and that there's a new thing at the high end. That's that could the also be it, right? One, right? That like the cheaper version is just is just this. But they and might use Vision Pro too. They is, might use cheaper materials. Yeah. That's that's a possibility. I I think what's going to happen too is they wanted to get their best foot forward here, and so um, imagine coming out with the the cheaper one. They made it a problem for future Apple. Yeah, to deal with. That's right. Future right. Apple will have to. We'll have to work this out. Decontent that thing. Well, by by all accounts, they're working on that product, um, and so they have to figure that out. Of like, how do you make uh, a cheaper one and the and then also the next generation one of this? Uh, yeah, it's a good it's a good question. We're going to be playing that game for a while now, and I think once it ships, they're going to get a better sense, and we're going to get a better sense of what are the core parts of this experience that really can't be downgraded, and what are the things that you could get away with. Parker asks, will the glasses, like the prescription adapters, be required for people who are nearsighted? It makes sense that if you're farsighted, you would need something, but since the screens are basically on your eye, I don't see why someone who is nearsighted would need additional lenses. I don't know what to, I don't know. I, I am not I'm an optician, right? And so that's why I needed them. They did the scanning. My expectation is if you have no if you are nearsighted, I don't think nearsighted be, means you can see near but you can't see far. Wait. Well, let me rephrase it cuz I get confused. Yeah. I need glasses for things far away. Yes, me too. I think if you need glasses for things far away, you're going to need the prescription correction. Yes. I think if you just need glasses for reading, I think you'll be okay. I think you'll probably be okay. I, I had somebody ask me um, the other day at a user group thing that I did, um, how do they make it so that you can, you know, basically it's like these things are right in front of your eyes. How do they make it that way? And and why do you need vision correction for that and all that? And my answer was that think about um surround sound speakers and you've got seven speakers everywhere around you and then and then apple says oh you can just put these airpods in and it'll do surround too and there are a lot of people are like oh but it can't it can't because of the seven but you think about it you only have two ear holes right so your brain is doing the processing you could if you i'm not saying that apple does this they do sort of but like if you can have a sophisticated enough system in your ear holes that can make it sound like there are a bunch of different speakers or things in a bunch of different places so that your brain reacts the same way. You know, the, the seven speakers positioned around your room is cheating. It, it's still cheating. It's it's not putting sound everywhere. It's putting sound in seven places. And then they come through the room into your ears and your brain processes them. It's like that. This thing's right in front of your eyes. 
but what it's doing is they've got that whole lens system that's like in between there. Lenses exactly. So and what away. they're doing is they want the light when it passes into your eye and hits the back to be as if it was light from the world, even though it's not. That's the trick. And the, the better the lenses are and the higher quality the image is and everything that goes into that, they are making your eyes see light from uh, as if it was coming from distance. Mm -hmm. And as a result, you got to focus like it's coming from distance. And I know that's a, it, it really is a thing that is a head scratcher, but like, that's the idea here is that your eyes don't know where that light is coming from. All they know is that the light hit the back of your eye. And if Apple can emulate light from the real world hitting your eye, but it's light from their screens hitting your eye, then your brain can't tell the difference and your eyes can't tell the difference because there's no, like we don't have LIDAR scanners in our bodies that give us a distance back, right? We just interpret distance based on the light that passes into our eyes and hits our retinas. So uh, if you can fake it, then it's like it's real. And um, Rich asks, do we know what the accessibility story is with the Vision Pro? So I looked into this. There was a session about accessibility for how that could work. And there's a few things that they're doing. One is called pointer control. So instead of using eye tracking, you use your head, wrist, and index finger to do the tracking on the headset. So like rather than your eyes do looking around and choosing the interface, you can kind of put your hand up and it looks like kind of like, I don't know, like a magic wand that you're mm -hmm. aiming towards the interface and you can select it that way. They have something called dwell control, which is on-screen options for the interactions rather than using your hands. So you would use eye tracking to look at a thing and then look at a place which allows you to select. So you'd like select and then look here. Uh, and if you just hold for long enough in a certain place, it will activate it. So then you're driving just by vision. Yes. They also have support for guided access. So this is their new one app at a time simplified UI thing and voiceover support. Right. That's a thing that they didn't show that I think is one of the missing pieces here is somebody was asking me about like how, and they didn't, they didn't want us to do this. Like, how do you go to a specific website in Safari? Uh, and there's that keyboard and you can type on the keyboard theoretically, either with your hands or actually by looking at the letters and just tapping. But I had that thought, which is like, or you use your voice, right? Mm. Like, or you just use your voice. And we had no examples of that because again they don't want to show that right now it may not be ready but also that's not no the interaction. that's not the image that they want to put out there yeah. is that they've got uh you know full voice assistant support that will let you do stuff like that uh, but i'm sure they will yeah thank you to everybody who sent in a question if you'd like to send in one of your own just go to up upgradefeedback.com and you can send that in do not forget the merchandise that is available until the end of this week go to upgradeyourwardrobe.com Choose from a selection of designs for the summer of fun, including the Dongletown Surf Shop tee. If you would like to send us feedback, follow-up, or questions, go to UpgradeFeedback.com and you can do that. You can check out Jason's work. You and Dan, I know, are very busy right now over at SixColors.com. You can hear Jason's shows on The Incomparable and here on Relay FM. You can listen to my podcasts here on Relay FM and check out my work at CortexBrand.com. You can find us on Mastodon. Jason is at JSnell on Zeppelin.Flights. I am at iMike on Mike.Social. You can also find the show as at Upgrade on RelayFM.Social, where you can see video clips uh, alongside our TikTok and Instagram accounts where we are at Upgrade Relay on both. There will be some fun clips of us in person. We mentioned earlier we have 
Chief Video Officer Jer- uh, J- Jeremy Burge. I was going to call him Jason Burge. Right. <laughs> I'm looking at both of you right now, and yeah. that's confusing. So there's me. a comma in there. Yes, Jason Jeremy Burge. They work on this together. Uh, you can find those at Upgrade Relay. So we'll have some fun clips of us being together in person today. Thank you to our members who support us of Upgrade Plus, and to our sponsors, the fine people over at ExpressVPN, Text Expander, and Dark Noise. Hang on a second. I declare the summer of fun to have begun! Summer of fun! Summer of fun! See you next time. Bye.